fast breeders and coolant tubes. Wake up and smell the uranium hexafluoride. Take a hot, relaxing hazmat suit shower. And, honey, can you put milk on the list? This jug is past its half-life. Because it's time to milk the uranium cows. It's time to talk tall to me. <laughs> Welcome back, I am Omen Thomas Sade. And I am Nick McGill. Together we are Feckless Moans. And this, my friends, is Talk Tell to Me. A secret test in the Bikini Atoll of Prague Rock, in which nucleotide Nick and Oxide Omen will break into the rock and roll repository and one by one unearth every single track that radioactive rock band Jethrotol has ever broken the proliferation treaty to refine. We will shield ourselves from the David Goodyear gamma radiation and enrich fissionable fuel from Florian Ophale. We will closely observe the genetic mutations of John O'Hara and drink the heavy water of Scott Hammond. And if we survive the blast by hiding in this General Electric locking refrigerator, we will emerge to find the 100 Sievert Scotsman, the fuel rod flautist, the thermal reactor of temperance, Ian Alpha Particle Anderson. Today's a big episode for a lot of reasons. Uh, one of the most important reasons is it is the launch of our first video episode for Tall Skull Plus Patreon patrons. And if you are viewing that video, you'll see that I'm wearing my bikini atoll right now. And if you're wondering why you can't <laughs> see us, it's because you haven't taken the one small step for man to pay $15 a month to our Patreon subscription, which will get you access to these awesome videos. Yeah, Omen's doing some ninja work right now. Yep, but you wouldn't know that if you didn't gab the video. Yeah, you can you can surmise based on the sound effects of his quickly moving limbs. But if there's one thing we hate, it's surmission. That's right. Vision and surmission. Nick, why else is this a big episode for us? Well, uh, today we are starting our big kind of diversion here. We are we are foregoing Rock Island for now to travel the contemporary path that is the Zealot Gene. We are starting the Zealot Gene today. The reason we did that is because you voted on it and we wanted to. Yeah, it's it's a pretty convenient synergistic moment here. Yeah. I think it works. Yeah. We're putting the sin back in synergy. <laughs> putting the orgy back in synergy. <laughs> so here we are. We are starting the Zealot Gene. Zealot Gene dropped two, uh, well, just just over a year ago, actually. It dropped yeah. in, I believe it was December of 21. That sounds right. Yeah. Uh, it is our, our most recent lineup. It is Ian Anderson, Florian Opale, David Goodyear, John O'Hara, Scott Hammond, and Joe Parrish James is on track 11 because uh, that was the, the, that's the last of Florian's contribution to the band. Oh. He is no longer, and Joe Parrish is now in his place. Wow. Yeah, I mean, yep. blink and you'll miss him. That's right. If you blink from 2007 to... <laughs> It's a long blink. 2018, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, anything else before we jump into the content here? 
I mean, I think we should just, I think we should just dive right in. I think that's, that's a good idea. We'll, we'll obviously dig more into notes about the album proper uh, as, as we go along. We've got 12 tracks to, to experience that on. So I think let's jump into the first track off of the album, Omen. What is that track? That track is Mrs. Tibbetts. Oh, girl, Mrs. Tibbetts. Let's tibbelisten. Let's fly on in. G to the whiz, Nick. Mrs. Tibbetts. Ladies and gentlemen, Mrs. Tibbetts. A reminder before we dive in, this is the first album in 22 years. The last yeah. was jtall.com in 99. When we were, uh, when we were freshmen in high school, um, I think. God, yeah, yes, we were. Yeah. Now wait a minute. Didn't the Christmas album come out a year or so after that? Yes, uh, Christmas album was two thousand and three, but okay. I'm not sure I necessarily consider that a a whole album in terms of. Well, it was a whole recording process. It, I mean, it was, it was, but it was a lot of covers and, yeah. and things. We, I mean, we scattered throughout the years, these past couple of years, all of the, the new album, the new songs. Right. This is, this is the first complete album of only new work since .com. Since.com. Yeah. So a lot has changed in that time, sonically and personnel wise. It'll be interesting if we ever decide to, to dive into Homo Erraticus or Thick as a Brick mm-hmm. 2, because they do kind of form that interstitial period. That's true. That's true. They are they are kind of the bridges there. I think that could be something maybe we explore for Patreon listeners. Maybe we do that for Feckless. I just realized that you have a sword hanging on your back wall. I do have a sword hanging on my back wall. Wow, I'm jealous. I, I need to get a sword hanging on my back wall. What happened to your sword? It's what in the happened? closet. Oh, hang it on your back wall. Wait, which sword? I only know of one sword that you have. Sting? Oh, that got confiscated by the police. (laughs) Did it really? No, it's Sting and the police. Oh. (laughs) Now you're mad. Now I'm upset. (laughs) That sword I did actually find rather recently, and I think it is in upstate New York still, but I I should bring her down. Yeah. I had a dream about that sword. Anyway, we're getting off track. <laughs> Way off piece, yeah. All right, so Mrs. Tibbetts. Let's talk about the music. Yeah, we open and close with that that bomber, that plane sound coming in and out. And I think you actually, you did some research and found out that that is actually real sound from a, a real aeroplane. I, I believe it is, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really cool. Presumably, whether it is the actual plane or not, it is the Boeing B-29 Super Fortress bomber that was the Enola Gay. It's at least meant to represent that for sure. Just in case anyone is really in the weeds here, we are, th- this song references the bombing of Hiroshima and Nagasaki mm-hmm. by the U.S. in 1940. Four, three. Let's say that. Two, one. Lift off. Lift off. We have the Enola Gay. We have Manhattan Toy. Mrs. Tibbetts is the mother of the pilot, 
Colonel Tibbets or Captain Tibbets, whoever it was. Colonel Paul Tibbets. Colonel Paul Tibbets, who was, I think, flying? Yeah, so the Enola Gay is the name of the bomber, right. which is named after Enola Gay Tibbets, the mother of Colonel Paul Tibbets. Right, 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 right. And right. it was August 6th. 1945, piloted by Tibbetts and Robert A. Lewis during the final stages of World War II, it became the first aircraft to drop an atomic bomb in warfare. Yeah. And this would have been Hiroshima? Because I know there were two. I believe Hiroshima was first, yeah. So, just with that context out of the way, let us Mm -hmm. do talk the music. We do have that ominous plane sound. We have some lovely, a lovely drum counting with the sticks going, Yeah. I'm going to probably fangirl a little bit about the percussion. It's so solid. It's really nice. It's so crisp. It is so effective. It does its job without losing a sense of personality. It's really gorgeous. I'm really, really just really fascinated and and in love with the percussion so far in this album. And that would be... Oh, that is... uh, Let's go back to our album notes. Scott Hammond? That is Scott Hammond. Scott Hammond. No relation to Jeffrey Hammond Hammond or son of Jeffrey Hammond Hammond? Stay tuned. Stay tuned. Looking into it now. I don't think he's the son. He's actually, he's, he's the daughter of the Hammond organ. That's, that's, that's correct. It's crazy. That's factual. We have, the, we have the drum coming in. We also have some gorgeous synth work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it's worth remembering that this album was actually recorded remotely. That's true. All of the the non-acoustic pieces were everybody doing their own part in their own studios. Ian took over and did basically all of the acoustic pieces on his own. But but yeah, everything that's that's built together in these really crisp, clear songs is everybody doing it kind of remotely, like everybody did everything in 2000. Except this is high quality. <laughs> Except this is great. This isn't shitty Zoom, yeah. But no, this is really, this album is, and I think we should keep remembering this, is a testament to the the spirit of creativity, the spirit of professionalism mm-hmm. in the worst imaginable circumstances for recording an album. They just yeah. went ahead and did it, and it sounds incredible. Yeah. Yeah, all the pieces are very clear, very good mixing. I like it a lot. It's it's very crisp. That light electric and synth almost smacks of an 80s sound without the really heavy guitar. I would say it's even very akin to uh, Walk Into Light almost. Yeah, that's I think that's fair. Yeah. The the synth is is gorgeous throughout. I'm I'm excited to talk a little bit more about the guitar here in a minute, but I want to mm-hmm. I want to first chat about Ian's voice. Mhm. His he sounds like he's ready for another fifty years of rocking. It's kind of amazing. I think we talked about this when we reviewed the first single off Rock Flute, and it's like he knows. Ian has always been an innovator in terms of instrumentation and sound and he knows his instrument so well he is now writing for that instrument in in how it how it manifests itself absolutely he's not writing high because he can't sing high 
And the way he is writing between this and what we've heard from Rock Flute is great. I love his voice in this album, and I, I'm sure I'm going to love it in the next one. He's, he also is not writing high because he hates drugs. Yeah. That's true. He is a teetotaler. Yeah. Yeah. I want to talk a little bit about the instrumentation in general. There's a lovely moment after the line, end of the second verse, you could call it, and the shattered ground beneath the trembling feet. Mm-hmm. We have, I believe it's the bass, maybe supported by the guitar going, dun, dun, dun. And the shattered ground beneath the trembling feet. And it has so much power behind it. I adore the bass work on this song. Yeah. It is strong, it is precise, it is crisp, it is understated. It is David Goodyear. It is David Goodyear. David Goodyear than thou. (laughs) David Goodyear tire is what I was thinking. Oh, okay. (laughs) Now, how do you feel about Florian? Florian's guitar. And and let's let's acknowledge. Let's take a moment and acknowledge how gorgeous your jewelry looks. Thank you. But also that you know, we are known Martinophiles. Martin Bar Martin Bar Files. Yeah. And so it's and so no one is going to be able to really fill the Martin-shaped void in our hearts. That aside, how do you feel about uh, Florian? He's rocking. He's great. He rips it. It's wonderful. When we get into that that bridge, it gets really dark and it gets really heavy, and I like it. I like it a lot. I like the two sounds. When we when it, he's on the lighter side, it really encompasses the idea of the war leading up until this point, even though the war was terrible, he, there's like a heaviness to it. But when that when that bridge hits, it's the dropping of the bomb and it's like, it's irrevocable. Life has changed completely at that point. It just maintains that really heavy. Yeah, I, that's a, that's great perspective. I I do agree that he, he has two main sounds in this song, one of which is the supporting of the other instruments almost blending yeah. into the synth yeah and and then around 3:30 we have his solo which he he rips it quite well now i don't know if it's me being I don't know if my emotions are getting involved here, but I so far don't know that I love the guitar sound on this. Mm. Okay. I feel like it's adding a flavor, but it doesn't have the same personality coming through, the same power coming through that I'm used to from listening to Martin. It feels a little bit to me like, hey there, white boy, you play the sixth string. I think this is something that we're going to stumble upon fairly regularly here and it's it's the idea of Jethro Tull versus Ian Anderson and the Jethro Tull band unfortunately yep yeah not saying that they the the rest of the band hasn't contributed in significant ways of course and not to say that they're not incredibly talented but i do think there is that distinction over that 22 years something happened mm. 
this is just a supposition, but something happened where the where there the collaborativeness feels like it has it isn't as gelled as it used to be. And I I could be wrong. And maybe it's just the time of those relationships. You know, Martin played with Jethro Tull for 40, for, 40 years? years, if not more. You get to a level of comfort in that time. And maybe Florian feels a little bit more like he's coming in to do a job, executing it, and then he can go home. And yeah. obviously this is all only things that exist in our head. But my reaction to this guitar sound is a little less passionate. Now, on the other hand, I think this song is better mixed than a lot of the stuff that we've heard in the 80s where we left off with Crest. Yeah. Yeah. Side note about Crest. Tell me. We talked about the crest that's on the album art mm-hmm. and how it has that cat. And you, yeah. you said that it's a wild cat. Mm-hmm. And it's very common on Scottish heraldry. Now, what I didn't realize until very recently is that there is actually a species of cat called the Scottish wild cat, oh. which is not just, you know, a moggy that went wild. It's not my cat. My cat got out. and Now he's a Scottish wild cat. Yeah. It's an actual cat. It's an actual species of cat that look very similar to house cats, and they can actually interbreed, which has been a problem for the genetic pool of the Scottish wildcat, but that's a whole-ass feline out there. So it's kind of like the dingo, almost? The feline version of the dingo? The Scottish feline version of the Australian dingo? Because the dingo is just a wild dog, isn't it? And they can interbreed. But the difference is that the dingo is a sort of devolved domestic dog. Oh, okay. Whereas the Scottish wildcat is, I think, has been wild since the time of the Egyptians or the time of the Picts or something. Okay. So we're going to breed the dingo with the Scottish wildcat. Yes. Make the Scottish dingo cat. Yes. And uh, we're going to sell them. We're going to market that. We're going to sell their meat. Delicious. Yeah. Absolutely delicious. You said the the ripping solo is what, like 3.30? Is that what you said? Starts at about 3 minutes, 30 seconds. Yeah. Just as a note, this song is... Almost six minutes. It's a long one. Doesn't feel it. Doesn't feel six minutes at all, yeah. No. The end of the song has some wonderful qualities to it, and I feel like there's some very clever audio engineering going on here. We have the bass doing its thing, doing an amazing job. There's a little bit of a bass kind of lead-out section there toward the end. Mm-hmm. Before we get into the... dum bum 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 Yeah. There's a, another layer of sound there, which to me gives this kind of sandy, salty, crumbly quality to it, mm. which is very appropriate. There's something very granular about the sound there. And and that's very thematically appropriate for both the biblical reference and the nuclear bomb reference that we will talk about in the second section of this here podcast. And the crust of the Eccles cake. <laughs> Indeed. Yes, yes. One last thing. Some of the song is in 4-4. Okay. The rest of it, I think, is in some kind of a uh, a nuclear physicist time signature. Yeah, it has to be. Yeah. The time signature loses a certain number of electrons every measure. Okay. But that number is not known. So it's we, we're not aware of its half-life. Of its we me- don't know the half-life life, of this yeah. song. 
Yeah, exactly. But there, there are there is some funky stuff going on in some of the interchanges. I think there is some three three with a two with a measure of two or a measure of five dropped in there. But a lot of the song, a lot of the verses are in four four. A, sh- a shot of three three with a two chaser. That's my that's my regular. Yeah, they have that ready for me when I walk in to the doctors. <laughs> <laughs> the two the two is a lollipop. Is that it? That's it. <laughs> Anything else to say about this song, A Music Lay? No, that is good for me. I mean, it's rocking, it's solid. I I do very much enjoy it sonically. I do too. It's a very different sound, obviously, than we're accustomed to Tull. And I don't think that's a bad thing at all. Not every Jethro Tull album is good for long runs in the forest. Is this one one of those? This is one of the ones that is good for long runs in the forest. Which one have you tried that isn't good? You know, now that I say that. Christmas album, maybe? That would be a little bit weird. Yeah. I think Benefit would be a little bit weird to run to. It'd be creepy. It'd be creepy to be alone in the woods <laughs> listening to Benefit. <laughs> Omen, here we are halfway through... Here we are. Halfway through. It's been a while, chronologically, in real time that we've actually done the uh, recording. So we've got a bit of a backstock of some correspondence. So we're going to kind of rip through them pretty quickly. We are going to start with a reaching out of one of our newer Patreon patrons. Okay. They submitted this form through fecklessmomes.com, the contact us form. I love fecklessmomes.com. It's a great place to go. There's not much going on there, honestly. You don't really need to go there. You can email us at momes at fecklessmomes.com as well. So this is from Ool, U-U-L. The subject is yes, omen, yes, and Nick, Nick, Nick. Oh, dear. Um, (laughs) You have my attention. Message to omen. A cat named Tiki? That makes two of us. Oh! Barbancourt eight year? What great taste, it's my favorite rum. What? <laughs> Did I write this? <laughs> if you haven't tried a Barbancourt cup, I highly recommend it. Simple, refreshing, and delicious. I'm with you about pears. Meh, too grainy. Nick, oh sweet Nick. <laughs> Locomotive breath is overrated? Overplayed, sure, but overrated? No, no, no. Not a fan of Edgar Allan Poe? Dear Lord, you clearly never read El Dorado, which I haven't. And you don't like The Princess Bride? Inconceivable! And since I have made that statement for the record, I did watch it with with Rook, and it is actually pretty delightful. Yeah, yes, it is. But you love a good pumpkin ale, so all is forgiven. If you ever find Rogue's Pumpkin Patch Ale back east, then please grab yourself a four-pack and send me the bill. It's on me. We Tall Skulls love you both dearly. Proudly, Ool. P.S. I See Motorize is now scheduled for release on my birthday. Best present ever. There is no feckless moms. There is only Ool. (laughs) Thank you so much for writing in. Awesome. Sounds like we should get together and have a drink. Yeah. I just looked up what a Barbancourt rum cup is. What is that? Ingredients. 16 ounces of fresh lime juice. 16 ounces of... Orgiat syrup. I have no idea what that is. I'll make some for you. 
77 <laughs> ounces lightly aged blended rum and six dashes of Angostura bitters. Pour everything into a punch bowl, fill with ice cubes, <laughs> tilted sure. I was going to say, that's a lot of volume there. 16 it's, ounces of lime juice. It serves 30. dash of rum and you just pound it. Yeah, I, I'll have to insides. figure out what ungulate syrup is. Ungulate? That's, um, that's cow or deer, I believe. Okay, I may be, may be searching the wrong thing. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Ul, for writing in. It's wonderful. It's wonderful to hear from you. Great to have you in our Patreon. Oh, it's made from almonds, sugar, and rose water. Ooh, that sounds good. It does. It does sound good. Thank you, Ul. He, Ul is very active in our Discord, just so you know. If you join at the $5 or $15 level, Tall Skull or Tall Skull Plus, you do get access to that Discord where you can talk to Ul about the Barbon Court Cup. Another bit of correspondence, another email from Folky Phil. Folky Phil writes in again. Oh, hello, Folky Phil. I've just listened to the Talk Told to Me Part of the Machine episode, a fascinating and illuminating pod. You mentioned that you feel the album lacks a theme and that the songs work individually but don't pull together to create a larger whole. Well, to me, the album is about one thing, the working John or Joe or Joe female. A heraldic crest symbolizes the history and achievements of a person or family, and one definition of knave is a man of humble birth. Oh. This album, then, is a celebration of the common person. It starts with the steel monkey, construction workers, and ends with part of the machine, society, and how we all fit into it, even if some of us try to reject it. Along the way, there are farmers, fisherfolk, soldiers, dancers, and rock stars. Hey, musicians are working Joes, too. Yeah. The other theme is aging. It's an album by the middle-aged about being middle-aged, aimed at fans who were increasingly middle-aged. Yeah. It's about growing up, working in jobs you may not like, but you still are doing your best, about perhaps reluctantly putting aside youthful lusts and excesses in exchange for something more permanent and stable. Wow. Thanks for the fascinating focus on a tall song that I've never given much attention to. All the best, Folky Phil. A great analysis there, Folky Phil. And I, I tend to agree with you, and, and that's something that I think is a common thread between Crest of a Knave and also Catfish Rising to a certain extent. Mm -hmm. Very similar. I would add to that analysis that it is specifically, to some extent, ha has a, a strong thread of the American working class experience. Yeah. There are a lot of songs that relate specifically to the Americas. Yeah. Yeah, it feels it. It feels it. They, they were touring there. We've got the bald eagle. We've got the trains through. It feels it. Yeah. Great analysis. Thank you so much for writing in. As always, Folky Phil, thank you. We also have... Three reviews. Three five-star reviews. That's 15 stars. One star for every dollar that you could pay to get access to the videos that we are currently recording. That was good. That was good. Smooth. Smooth like a rum cup. <laughs> All right. Swordmaster Flux writes in on Apple Music from Canada. A. Good eyesight, insight, and foresight. That's from uh, Hair Who Lost His Spectacles. Oh, of course. Yeah. This podcast is plain and simple, great. Their breakdowns of each song are both funny and informative. Well put together in all aspects. If you're a fan of Jethro Tull, 
your podcast search has ended. Well, it, it's ended because there's no other Jethro Tull podcast, but I mean. Thank, thank, thank you, you. Swordmaster <laughs> Flux, for the rating. Yes. And I'm so glad that you're enjoying it. That's great. Absolutely. Up next, we have Old Cajun Rocker, five stars writing in from the United States of America. Nice. From a 64-year-old Tull fan. Great podcast. These youngsters are doing an amazing job in research and presenting. And it makes me extremely happy. <laughs> well, old Cajun rocker, anything to make you happy. Your voice is very sultry, and I'm 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 feeling tingles. Yeah, <laughs> I'll give you Nick's personal email. <laughs> and then finally, Butchawache from the United States of America writes in underground symphony sounds. Fear not. A day may come when our eventual AI overlords rule us, but it is not this day. How do I know? Because it took nearly four years for the algorithm to recommend this wonderful podcast for me. It's been a true pleasure to listen to these feckless moms as they lead us on a guided tour down Leicester Square, through the Baker Street Valley, and by Dunringill. And we still have two more years to go. That's right! We do have more time to go, and, and who knows how long it will take us to get through those two years. <laughs> Safe estimate, two years. <laughs> but we're glad that we can provide you some non-automatically generated content yeah. here in the potosphere and provide a human connection to the music. So happy to have you with us, Bushawache. And finally, we're going to wrap up with a Patreon message from our one of our most recent patrons. Who dat? This is from Chrissy. Oh. She writes in, Hey guys, I left you a five-star rating on Spotify. Thank you. I know not everybody has the ability to rate on Spotify, but a few people have told us that they have done that, and we appreciate it. Greatly appreciated. Fully deserved, because never in a million years did I think I'd find a podcast for every song for my favorite band. I got into JT through my father. It's his favorite band, and so me and my three younger brothers got well used to Dad putting the tall vinyls on. Mm. The recent Crest of a Knave episodes made me super nostalgic, as I remember this was Dad's first tall album on CD. Wow. Unfortunately, he scratched the disc, and so for many years, I didn't hear Steel Monkey in full. Wow. Keep up the fantastic work, guys. And I think... I think it was the same for me. Was it Steel Monkey or was it? Uh, uh, well, I mean, anyone who listened to music in that CD yeah. generation had an album where you'd never listen to that song because you would get, you know, 30 seconds into it and then it would go. For me, it was it was this is not love off of Catfish had a scratchy skippy right in the very beginning. That's actually a crime. Oh, What's the statute of limitations on that? Oh, like 30 seconds. Okay, I'm good then. Yeah, you're good. Okay, great. Thank you, everybody, for your reviews, for your jump starts, for your emails, for your insights. We appreciate it, and we love it, and we appreciate you. And we thank you for writing in. Keep writing in, and we'll see you on the flippity-flop. Here we are. Side two flipped on over. We are talking content now. So with this album, this album is 
despite Ian's hedging and saying it's not necessarily a concept album, it's pretty concepty. And each of the tracks, almost all of them, I think there might be one that doesn't, starts with a couple of verses out of the Holy Bibli. Yeah, let's read those verses. What's the citation? Yeah, pertaining to Mrs. Tibbetts, this is from Genesis 19, 24 through 28. Verses 24 through 28. So I'll read those, and then we can talk a little bit more about the context. Yeah. And we'll get to a point where we can see how this relates to those, those verses. All right, Genesis 19, 24. This is from the King James Version, which is very poorly translated, but still slaps. It's pretty much the everyman's Bible at this point, I think, right? It's fairly ubiquitous. If by at this point you mean the 1700s, then absolutely. Okay, great, yeah. Then the Lord rained down upon Sodom and Gomorrah brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities, and all the plain, and all the inhabitants of the city, and that which grew upon the ground. But his wife looked back from behind him, and she became a pillar of salt. His being Lot, specifically. Yeah. Uh, two more verses, right? It goes to 28? Yep. And Abraham gat up early in the morning to the place where he stood before the Lord, and he looked toward Sodom and Gomorrah, and toward all the land of the plain, and beheld, and lo, the smoke of the country went up as the smoke of a furnace. Bum, bum, bum. Yeah. Let's talk about Lot. Already we can see some similarities here. Yeah, it's it's really, it, I mean, I'm actually getting chills. So, so the story of Lot's wife, or Lot in Sodom and Gomorrah, Lot, Sodom and Gomorrah was a nasty city full of a bunch of bad people. Two nasty cities. Two nasty cities. Two angels mm -hmm. went to test the people. This is, by the way, this also fits in very similarly to a lot of Greek myths where Zeus or Hermes or somebody goes to see and experience the roles of hospitality and they get rewarded for it or they get punished for it depending on yeah. how they receive their guests. And Lot was the only good man in this area. Yeah, Lot and his wife, he let them in, he gave them the last of their food, he right. protected them from the from the the nasty people. I think he even so the angels were like, um, well, you know, we, we want to go and see what the deal is with this place. And Lot was like, no, 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 no. You don't have to go out. Yeah. And right at that moment, there was a bang on the door. And all the Sodomites and Gomorians were like, I hear you got some fresh meat in there, Lot. We want to know them carnally. <laughs> they got pretty mouths. Literally. That yeah. is literally the description in the Bible. Like they, the, every, they were like, new people, we want to have sex with them. Yeah. But Lot, instead of that, offered his daughter? Is that right? Am I making he, that up? He, no, you're not making that yeah, up. Yeah, okay. There's some, speaking of Lot's daughters, there's some kind of nasty stuff that happens later on with that story. Of um, after Lot's wife was turned to a pillar of salt for having the audacity to look back upon the city yeah. that she presumably had lived in her whole life. Down the road, Lot and his daughters escaped, and Lot's daughters were like, well, this is not good because there are no men around and we need to continue this family line. And so they they got their father inebriated and had sex with them. Very similar to... Uh, there's a story in the Metamorphoses. Noah, right? 
Noah also spread the line with his children because he had to. After the Did he have to? Well, I mean Did he have to? Is the end of mankind, if not. God could have just made a couple from his ribs, but you know, whatever. There was there's also in the metamorphoses, I feel like it is the one of the sons or daughters of Pygmalion and Galatea. They have a whole incest mm, yep, uh, thing as that well. Sounds right. Yeah. So so yeah, the angels say, you know what, you guys have been nice. Get out of the city. Mm-hmm. Stuff's gonna go down. They go out and they say, Oh, wait, by the way, don't look back. Right. You just have to trust. You have to trust in God, basically. Right. And which also this ties back into Orpheus and Eurydice. Yes, it does. Looking back. So they 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 go out, Lot's wife turns around to look at it, and it's so horrifying, it's so beautiful, whatever. She turns into a pillar of salt. And Lot's like, Well, there goes my wife. And uh and and yeah, they carry on. Sodom and Gomorrah is decimated and and that is the end of the story and it's left a burning crater basically which ties back in to the atomic bomb and to quickly put in an old chris buhlman joke mm, please i know what sodomy is i want to find out what is gomorrah <laughs> for those of you not in the know chris Bielman is a brilliant writer that Omen and I worked with at the Sterling Renaissance Festival. Yeah. I cannot recommend his novels enough. He Check writes, out Those Beyond the River. The, those Across the River. I'm looking those at them right the river, now. Between Two Fires. Between Two Fires. The Necromancer's House, which is one of my favorite mm. books of all time. So good. The Lesser Dead and Suicide Motor, Suicide Motor Club. And then The Black Tongue Thief is his most recent it, it's spectacular. If, do yourself a favor brilliant. if you if you like reading books. Yeah, his writing is amazing. He's so brilliant with language. Also, his audiobooks. He narrates all of the... Well, he narrates the last three. Necromancer's House, Between Two Fires, and Acro- Those Across the River are, are different narrators. Those Across the River is Mark Bramhall, though, who is an amazing narrator as well. So, find yourself some Chris Bielman. Highly recommended. But yes, sodomy glory. I've just noticed how uneven my face is. Yeah, that's why you're so attractive. That's not, that's not, no, that's not why. <laughs> that's not why I'm so attractive. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's, people with, with symmetrical faces are rated to be more attractive. But if it's too symmetrical, science. if it's too symmetrical, it's uncomfortable making. It's not memorable. It's, it feels something off. That's why Gigi Haddad always makes me feel uncomfortable i don't know who that is but i believe you she's bella haddad's sister oh okay i I totally understand now you understand nothing john snow (laughs) you know nothing um okay so so that is our that's our 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 biblical verse that's kind of our context and our bridge into this song proper we know the historical context of this song Shall we dive into lyrics specifically? Let's do it. And the thing that I find so brilliant about this writing is that at least the first verse blinkered against the harsh and raging sun. They said, divert your gaze, don't look behind. Blinkered against the harsh and raging sun. perfectly refers to both the story of Lot and 
the bombing of Hiroshima. Even the rest of that verse. Yes. It was time they said to do that thing, mindful they of peace and peace of mind. It was time they said to do that thing. Mindful they of peace and peace of mind. How brilliant. Like, what an amazing exercise to be like let's like take two stories from two completely different periods of time write a song that describes each of them perfectly i mean just looking at it even the second verse before we we don't we don't get historical chronological context un, until the, the chorus the chorus right yeah don't feel bad they said about the numbers don't feel bad about the melting heat the burning flesh the soft white cell demise and the shattered ground beneath the trembling feet. Don't feel bad, they said about the numbers. Don't feel bad about the melting heat. The burning flesh, the soft white cell demise. And the shattered ground beneath the trembling very apropos. I mean, it could be, no, I was going to say it could be like about Vesuvius, but it can't really. Nah. Yeah. Nah. Yeah. No, it, it's, it's, it's brilliant. It is. So we have this description of, you know, don't look back at this, at this magnitudinous destruction. And then we have Mrs. Tibbetts, little boy, August morning silence breaks, eyes to heaven, Manhattan toy, drop in for tea and Eccles cakes. Mrs. Mrs. Tibbetts is, of course, the mother of Colonel Tibbetts and Olegay Tibbetts. Mm-hmm. August. August 6th, yep. Yep. Eyes to Heaven, Manhattan Toy. Well, the Manhattan Project was the was how they invented the, the bomb. Mm-hmm. Manhattan Toy drops in for tea and Eccles cakes. Now, this is where it gets a little bit funky for me. Right, right. What is an Eccles cake, Nick? An Eccles cake is a small round pie that is similar to a turnover. So it's it's got a flaky pastry crust that's that's made with butter, usually filled with currants, and it's topped with demerara sugar, which in the states we often refer to as turbinado sugar. So it's that harder, bigger crystal, the browner sugar. Sounds amazing, honestly. It sounds fantastic. Yeah, we don't do enough with currants in the states. No, we don't, and we ought to, and we we should. Do you know what ribena is? Have you ever heard of ribena? You must have, right? Yeah, I I believe it is a current. Liqueur, so not not a, not a liqueur, a, a current syrup yeah. that you add to fizzy water. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Fun fact: that is one of the only ways that Katie's mother can trick her dad into drinking water. <laughs> He's very water averse. <laughs> He's a doctor, though, isn't he? I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know. He hates water. <laughs> what about tea? He's a he's a he brick. He tea. can do tea. Okay, yeah, yeah. But that's not pure water. That's got yeah. stuff in it. Yeah, and tea is also a diuretic, so it, it dries you out. So, so I mean, I think it's a little bit of a play on on words, you know, that it's it's Mrs. Tibbetts' little boy dropping in for tea and Eccles Kate's. That it's something like so charming, so civilized, so of a Sunday afternoon, you know, a very gentle, lovely thing. Mm-hmm. But but the thing that's actually dropping in for tea and Eccles cakes 
is a nuclear bomb. And I think, I, I think what we're meant to hear, to interpret from this is dropping in for tea and Eccles cake on a Sunday is like, is a normal thing to do, right? Right. We, this bomb is dropped. There's no turning back. This is the new normal. I think this is this is replacing that civility and the sweetness. We can never go back to just being innocent again. Well, and we have, if we look at that last, for the last verse of the song, which is a little bit of a puzzle for me. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Open parcels, gifts of different kind. A bigger bang will call for bigger bucks, so pay the ransom, don't look behind. Have yourselves a merry little Christmas. Open parcels, gifts of different kinds. A bigger bang will call for bigger bucks. So pay the ransom, don't look behind. It is that sense of, all right, we've done the thing. You know, we went out on our trip, we pushed the button, and now it's time to go home. Mm-hmm. Set a course home for happy holidays. Tell yourself, thank God, what's done is done. Set a course for home and happy holidays. Tell yourselves, thank God, what's done is done. You know, that, that sense of like, well, yeah, we're just going to go on with our lives and pretend like everything is fine and like we didn't just genocide a quarter of a million people with one. Right with one instant. Yeah, you tell you tell yourselves that it was for the greater good, that it, it, it stopped the, well, presumably they were hoping it would stop the war, and it, and it kind of did. Yeah. All for the good and ultimately saving precious lives in the longer run. Mm-hmm. All for the good and ultimately saving precious lives in the longer run. Which, and that was the argument there, you know, people were like, well, it's going to, this is going to kill X many people. I'm not sure what the, what the death toll was from Hiroshima and Nagasaki, but let's find out. Initial blast and residual effects. Let's not forget fallout, et cetera, et cetera. So the way, the way a nuke works, it lands, it hits. There's the initial blast, which goes out for miles and miles. It's it's a concussive wave. It's a heat wave. People are incinerated. People are, are blown apart. Buildings are blown apart. In addition to that, the nuclear effect causes fallout. So fallout is when the explosion hits. Everything is, again, incinerated. So it's turned into this m- minuscule dust, which goes up yeah. into the air, and that gives you that that uh, mushroom cloud and it's that dust is irradiated it's not like there's just radiation sitting around like glowing everywhere from the nuke it's the fact that the dust is irradiated and it goes Mm -hmm. up in this massive footprint and then comes down it settles on everything it gets in the air it gets in the it gets in the water it gets everywhere and it's it's basically like I mean, uh, of kind of a rough approximation, it's like asbestos, you know, asbestos is breathed in and it's dangerous. You're only, it's only dangerous when you're exposed to it. Right. That's why they've had to evacuate. You know, that's why places like Fukushima 
Mm-hmm. Or Chernobyl have been abandoned for so long because it it doesn't it doesn't go away. Oh, that's and that's the other thing. It covers everything, and it's not like oh, it's it's done. You give it a time. It's years. The way nuclear works is is like you referenced earlier in the beginning, a half life, nuclear half life. These these isotopes they break down and they emit radiation, which is everything emits radiation, but this radiation affects the human cells in a very bad way. Yeah. It affects the DNA, pokes little holes in it. So when, when your DNA replicates, it just kind of turns to jelly and, and it replicates in the wrong way. Right. Which Cancer. causes havoc. Yeah. The estimate is, is r- roughly 20 200,000 people died from both blasts. Just the blasts? Are we talking residual as well? Overall. Yeah. Long-term side effects. So so just about a quarter of a million, just about a quarter of a million people. I mean, it's, it's you, you actually can't wrap your mind around it. It's, it's horrifying that, but... But and, and how do you Devil's advocate how many people died in World War II leading up to that point? Well, and that was exactly the argument. You know, the argument was, yes, it's going to kill this many people, but we're going to save double that number of people by ending the war now. Yeah. But is that an actual ethical argument? I I don't know. And I think that if you're the person who the decision has been made above your pay grade and you're just flying out and pressing the button and flying back, to to protect yourself psychologically from yeah. that unimaginable decision, you almost do have to just say, well, I'm just going to go and it's just a normal day flying up, pressing the button, going home, time for tea, and and not and not think about it. So you can sleep at night if that's even possible? Yeah. Yeah. So then midway, slightly more than midway through the song, we have this verse of, of kind of hypotheticals. Maybe if Lot had stopped and stood his ground. Maybe if Lot had stopped and stood his ground. What does that mean? If he had stopped and stood his ground. If he had stopped. If he had decided not to leave, would Sodom and Gomorrah have been destroyed? Maybe, yeah. If he had stood up for for the cities just by virtue of the fact that they're human beings, as nasty right. as they are. Yeah, if he had said, you know what, God, I understand that you hate these cities, but I'm going to stay here, and so if you love me, you're going to have to spare a city. But this is Old Testament, so God would have been like, okay. Okay. Boom. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to kill you. I'm going to resurrect you, and I'm going to kill you again. I don't love you that much. <laughs> I am incapable of love. Oh, yeah. And maybe if Peter hadn't turned away. And maybe if Peter hadn't turned away. Now that one is a little bit, that's New Testament. That is... Wasn't there a story about when Jesus came back and he came back to the to the fellows and he was like, hey, it's me. And they were like, it's not you. And Peter turned away. Peter denies Jesus three times. That's what it is. Following the arrest of Jesus, Peter denied knowing Jesus three times. But after the third denial, he heard a rooster crow and recalled the prediction as Jesus turned to look at him. Peter then began to cry bitterly. The final incident is known as the repentance of Peter. Hmm. And then what if Judas stole no kiss? What if Judas stole no kiss? 
So that, of course, is the betrayal of Jesus. Judas said, hey, Romans, I can tell you which of these dirty hippies is the one you want. And they're like, well, how will we know? And he's like, I'll kiss him. And uh, it, was, it was pretty steamy, but it ended poorly. <laughs> for 40 pieces of silver, I believe, is the, uh, is the transaction there. I've kissed a man for less. <laughs> wow, you can get paid for that? <laughs> 40 pieces of silver. Do you know, I, I mean, a, an ounce of silver these days is about, is about $22, so. Wow. What's 22 times 40? The answer is 880. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's not bad. Good, it's a good deal, uh, except for the part where you betray your, you know, your best friend, and then he gets crucified. Yeah, the the son of God. That seems not worth it for less than a thousand dollars. And then Judas hung himself, so he didn't even get to spend it. I he, he spent it. Did he on rope? <laughs> <laughs> really high quality rope. <laughs> silk rope, silk rope doesn't break. So. My big question about this song is, what is the Christmas connection? Why do we end with Christmas? I don't know. Is that a bit like the the Sunday dropping in for tea and Eccles cake that, that life goes on even after that happened? I'm not sure. It puzzles me a little bit. You know, part of me was like, oh, it must be the connection of the time of year, but August is not December. Yeah. Is it like a, a reference to to the bombs themselves being presents? Could be. Maybe. A bigger bang will call for bigger bucks. Yeah. I mean, that to me makes it is a little bit of a reference to the escalation in the Cold War, where now that that genie is out of the bottle, everyone wants a bomb and everyone wants more bombs than their neighbor. And so everyone has lots and lots and lots of bombs and won't stop making them. Proliferation. Yeah. Proliferation. So it's a bigger bang will call for bigger bucks. So pay the ransom. Don't look behind. A bigger bang will call for bigger bucks. So pay the ransom, don't look behind. To me, that feels a bit like the ransom is essentially for the bad guys. The ransom was was Hiroshima and Nagasaki. They sacrificed that. They paid that to not also be blown up. I suppose so. I also think that there's a maybe a little bit of a questioning of how can you celebrate a holiday of peace yeah. knowing that you have unleashed a godlike power of destruction upon your fellow man. Yeah. Yeah, so open parcels, gifts of a different kind. Open parcels, gifts of different kind. You know, even if it's like a a pack of underwear, your soul is stained. So, I mean, there's only so much you can... You're going to make a, a stained underpants reference? Is that yeah, what you're no, going no, for? Yeah, okay. your, under, your underpants are clean, but your soul is stained. Like yeah, there it. you go. So yeah, I, I think it's yeah, I think you're right. I think it ties into the Sunday. I think it ties into the banality of, of human life, but it's it's never gonna be the same. I think it all kind of ties back to that. And what is is interesting kind of poetically about all these about both these topics, and we have it again referenced in the very first line, or the second line, is this idea of if you look at the destruction, you will be destroyed. 
So we have that in the biblical reference. We have the reality that if you look at a nuclear blast, and that was something that the pilots were told, don't look out the back window. Right, yeah. You will, you will go blind. Yeah. But also, I think there's the moral component of if you look straight on at that kind of betrayal of humanity, of that whole scale destruction of human life, it will destroy your soul will be will be turned to salt. You can't you can't deal with it psychologically. Yeah. You some part of you will be turned to salt metaphorically. Yeah. Looking behind is dwelling on what you've just done. Or even confronting it. Yeah. 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 Oof. I this song gives me the the heebie jeebies yeah. in a sexy way. One hell of an opener for the album, right? I mean, we haven't heard a new song from Tull in twenty two years. And granted we did hear uh, we did hear three singles. They dropped three singles, Zealot Jean, Shoshana Sleeping, and Sad City Sisters. So we right. did hear those prior to this drop, but really getting into the mindset of the whole context of an album, like, boy, howdy. In terms of an album opener and what you have is the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah and the first u- use of a nuclear weapon, it, within the first six minutes... Yeah, no pulling punches. Ian came in strong. We see that he had to adapt and adjust and evolve to get the sound sonically to work for his voice, and he did that very well. But we also see that his poetry has evolved and his writing has just has reached peak here. And you know what's funny is is I totally agree with all that. I'm also thinking about, it's interesting, because we jumped in the timeline from Crest of a Nave to now, Crest of a Nave was, was the early side of digital recording, mm. and now we are, you know, contemporary with, with us speaking side of, of digital recording. And some of, I remember talking a little bit on, on Crest of a Nave of how some parts of it sounded a little digitally. Yeah. And here we don't have that. No way. It's so beautifully crisp now in, in another... 20 or 30 years, when we look back at this album, will we think that it holds up recording-wise? I don't know. Yeah. It's hard to know. But when you listen to this album on vinyl, oh, yeah, the sound quality is just spectacular. Yeah. As of right now, technologically, there's only so much you can advance a sound or even a video where it reaches a point where the human eye or ear cannot notice it. So I think we are at peak until... The human ear gets better. Until we can bypass the ear and listen to music by piping it straight into our brain. Cerebral MP3. Yeah. It is... Nope, lost it. Never had it to begin with. (laughs) A cerebral MP3. What I want to know is, is there an anal option? A suppository? The music suppository. Yeah. Uh, But the sound is, is pretty muffled. And, and everybody else hears it too. But the vibrations. That's where you put the subwoofer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was a visual joke, everyone. <clears throat> All right, Omen. Anything else on Mrs. Tibbetts? Any final thoughts? My question that I'm left with is, how did Mrs. Tibbetts herself, if she was alive at the time of the bomb, how much did she know and how did she 
you know, did she think, oh, my son's such a great boy for, yeah. for doing the airplane and the bombing? I mean, there's there's a lot of pride. There's a lot of state and nation pride when there is an enemy and they are vilified and they are turned less human. Yeah. You can get away with those things. And there's a reason that we dropped it on the Japanese and not the Germans. Yeah. Because Japan is over there. And they look different. The Germans look a little too much like us, quote unquote, us as yeah. uh, white Americans in the 1940s. Yeah, it's 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 pretty grotesque. On that happy note. Yeah, Nick, what fresh horrors await us next week? Jacob's Tale. Or Tales, it's plural. Jacob's Tales. Jacob's Tales. He has... He has two tales. Yeah, we're going to jump into more Genesis. And excited to get there. Until next week, you can break your morning silence by listening to two extra podcasts a month. Those are available by becoming a Patreon member at the $5 level or the $15 level. You get that. You get access to our Discord. And again, beating a dead horse will stop eventually, I promise. We won't ever stop. <laughs> but the 15 also gets you access to the video recording of this very podcast. Yeah. You can see me saying these words if you pay those $15. If you are dropping in for tea and Eccles cakes, remember to be visually showing your love for the podcast by wearing a branded Talk Tall to Me t-shirt, hat, or pair of socks. Available at our Tea Public page, accessible through the show notes or our Instagram links. Wow, Omen, you're getting really good at this. At speaking words, thank you. It's taken four years. Uh, reviewing this podcast and giving it five stars is all for the good and ultimately saves precious lives in the long run. <laughs> that was not a threat. I'm sorry. Until next week, I am the soft white cell Omen Thomas Sade. I am not Mrs. Tibbetts' little boy, Nick McGill. This is covered in turbinado sugar, the feckless momes. And this is the podcast that stops and stands its ground... Talk tell to me. Divert your gaze! I brought sunglasses. Ezekiel, I am so horny I cannot sit down underneath that table for dinner time. I heard something knocking, Jehovah. I heard it knocking, and it was not the neighbors. All of my mucous membranes are overproducing with excitement. I see them quivering. Did you see those two new strangers who came into town tonight? Oh, Ezekiel, just when I thought I would die of boredom because I have done put my thing into or been had put my things been into myself by every single person in Sodom and also Gomorrah, I saw that there was some smooth-skinned, pale-haired, tall drinks of water at the gate. 
behoove them. They just strolled in like they belonged here, and boy howdy, I belong there too. They, you could tell that they was wanting it from the way that them their robes was hanging just in that provocative manner somewhere between the ankle and the kneecap. If they didn't want it, they shouldn't dress that way. If they didn't want it, they shouldn't have done come to Gamora. I'm gonna Gamorraize one of them. You sodomize the other. Oh, oh, we'll, we'll, we'll make them into the Tower of Babel. We'll Babel Tower them. Oh. Jonah's whale won't be the only one swallowing tonight. Did you see where they went? I think they went to Lot's house. Of all the places to stop, they stopped at the most boring house in Sodom? They ain't gonna even get their ears drilled in there. Let me, let me use my virgin sniffing nose. Follow me. Truffle them out. Truffle them out, Jebediah. Okay, oh, they're down this way, down. Down Knickerbocker Alley, take okay. a left turn yes. at Lube Lane, go straight on at, at, uh, at Finger Blaster Avenue. <laughs> Looks like they stopped at Vibration Place. Oh, here we are. Ooh. And as it says in the holy text, on the seventh day, he fisted. That's my favorite verse. Here we go. I'm so excited I, I can barely knock on this door for my knees knocking together. Lot, I heard that you got two pretty boys in there, and there's one thing that I gotta say to you. Say it, Ezekiel. We come for their pretty holes. And also, Talk Told to Me is a proud member of the Feckless Moms Audio Network.